Hi, this is Lilia with the Help Your Sales podcast. And today, all the way from the States, and it looks to be sunny and warmer than it is here in Scotland, I have the beautiful and wonderful Linda Carpenter from Wellness for, remind me of the name of your website. Wellness, Wellness for a lifetime. a lifetime. Yes, absolutely. Now, Linda, we met actually, well, it was, I'd seen your testimony in a group in, on Facebook and I, and it was a few months back, I think I'd commented on it because oh, I really wanted to talk to you. So thank you so much for coming on. And let's just start there. Can you just tell people your story with about healing? Oh, uh, in 2006, I was diagnosed with uh, cancer. By 2008, it had metastasized. I chose never to do conventional treatment. Um, so it started out into the breast. Uh, it went to the bone in three places, uh, one in my shoulder and two spots in my spine. And by 2010, it was in my intestine. And that's when my oncologist signed papers in 2011 saying that I was terminal. So the death benefit on my life insurance policy paid in 2011 in, um, in, the, in the U.S. <laughs> uh, I don't know how it works in Scotland or wherever the listeners are. Uh, but uh, in the U.S., I had a policy it's called a rider, like a horseback rider uh, on my insurance policy that meant if I had a terminal diagnosis, I would get paid 50% cash up front. And uh, so we cashed in on that and I got a bit, really big check. Among other things, uh, we bought a big RV on what we thought might be our last hurrah. And ultimately I um, reversed all the cancer I did it all holistically. I never did conventional chemotherapy or radiation. I got my first all clear in 2015. And um, yeah, um, that's my story. Can I, just, can I just run over these dates? So you were first diagnosed in 2008. Is that right? Uh, first in 2006. 2006. And then it, it mis you had mates by 2008. Yes. And what did you do? And, and you'd refused treatment from the... From the very start so what the very beginning well I had surgery which if I knew what then what I know now I might not have had surgery um, but they rush you in so quickly uh -huh. and um, so I had surgery I had a radical mastectomy they uh, which was actually I don't know if I would have done it if I know what I know now um, when they did the mastectomy they um, the reason I had the mastectomy, the, the very first uh, oncologist that I went to was all about saving breast tissue. So he saved breast tissue, but he didn't clear the margins. And so I went to, eventually I, I fired him. He left me radically deformed. You know, I, I, I looked like this when you were looking at my breasts. I mean, it was boing, pointed out that to the side because he was saving breast tissue. Um, they referred me to a oncologist, traditional oncologist, and they wanted me to do radiation first. And I went to the radiation oncologist because I hadn't decided what I was going to do yet. And the radiation oncologist said, why are you here? You're not a candidate for radiation. Um, your margins aren't clear. I didn't know that my margins weren't clear. Your margins aren't clear. And we don't know about this lymph node because there was a lymph node that was positive. And they didn't know if I had more lymph nodes. And so 
I fired that oncologist and went to uh, another one who happened to be the head of the um, UCSD Medical Center uh, surgical oncology team. She's brilliant. And I went in saying, holy cow, a few other words, I've got cancer. And I came out going, I get a boob job. The Ah. woman was brilliant. (laughs) The woman was brilliant. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, But knowing what I know now, I don't know if I would have done the mastectomy, uh Uh, but that's the only conventional treatment I did. So to answer more directly your, your question, Lilia, I, uh, I changed my diet. I went completely vegan. Eventually I went raw vegan. Uh, I was raw for several years until my body said, Hey, I want some cooked food. Um, I, it was following a uh, protocol where I was taking over a hundred supplements a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I did holy cow boat loads of um, high dose IV vitamin C, mm-hmm. where they don't tell you that it's going to take your veins out. So if you look at my veins on my right side, I can't have I can't have IV sticks because I had the mastectomy. On my left side, I have no veins. From here down, I've had people stick me in the foot because I have no veins. Because of the vitamin B. Because of the vitamin B, uh, vitamin uh, C. Wow. So, so if you're if, to your to your listeners, if you decide to do high dose vitamin C, which I would do again. Yes. Get a port placed, have it put through the port because it will take out your veins. It will shrink them into nothingness. Wow. Well, that's very handy to know because a lot of people ask me about vitamin C. It's a bit more awkward here. You guys, well, you have Mexico, which I want to talk to you about as well, on a little bit more in your doorstep, but we really don't have mistletoe now as you can get and you can get vitamin C, but there's a really high cost attached to it. And I think... um, you know, it has to go along with other things, doesn't it? I mean, I think the, the big problem is, so what I'm interested in, so how, you, it was 2015 you got the all clear, and that was from 2006, yeah? I mean, that's a long time, isn't it? So how did you stay on the horse, so to speak, and keep <laughs> your motivation up and not just go, you know, do you remember, and I don't know if it made news in Scotland, but in the U.S., around 2010, I, I, I don't remember exactly when, 2010 to 2011, there were whole um, shipment, a whole lot number of pet food that was laced with the chemical that would kill the pets. So you buy your regular pet food, somebody laced it with rat poison and you, you feed your dog or your cat and they die. My husband recognized the name of the chemical. Wow. (laughs) Right. Um, And he recognized it because he had lost his first wife to pancreatic cancer and it was the same drug that they gave to his wife for pancreatic cancer that was killing the dogs and cats. Okay. So it's a rat poison and, (laughs) and chemotherapy is rat poison. Um, At least this one was, but has a different effect in a different dose. All right. My brain. So how did I stay on track? 
my brain saw anything with sugar in it as rat poison. I would never knowingly put rat poison in my body. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. But, so, and this all happened at the same time. It was like, you know, that dog food was like, had, had rat poison in it. It's the same thing in my body. Sugar is rat poison. I would never eat rat poison. So it was just easy for me to say, I'm going to put that in my body. This body likes to grow cancer on sugar. And, and everybody knows, I, I should say, if you don't know, cancer grows on sugar. Yeah. That was determined in the 1930s by uh, Otto Warburg. Mm-hmm. If you go have a pet CT today, what do they give you? Radioactive sugar water. Mm-hmm. And cancer cells have more receptors. So it takes up the sugar water. And that's what lights up. Mm-hmm on the pet CT. So when, when you have anything with sugar in it, even fruit sugar, sugar is sugar, it feeds the cancer cells. So it was just really, really easy for me, uh, Lilia, just to, I'm not going to put rat poison in my body. Yeah. So you just framed it in a way that, um, yeah, that, that makes total sense. I mean, I say to people, it's, it's like throwing petrol on a fire, you know, you want to be putting the fire out. Now, yes. did, did you tell me that you did an adapted Gerson. Gerson. I never did Gerson. No, no, I never did Gerson. I did a lot of juicing. Yes. Um, I when actually have a, a. How many a day would you be? How many liters or whatever per day? Or did it? I don't know how many liters my blender is. I can go look at it real quick. <laughs> um, but I would do a full blender a day. Uh-huh. And so it was probably. Probably about a liter. At least 750. Now it's more than 750 milliliters. It's probably the equivalent of, of, of 1,500 milliliters. Yes. So a liter and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, pr- easily. And that was just, that was my, that was my breakfast, brunch, lunch. And then I would have this huge, I called it an everything but lettuce salad. Uh-huh. So it had everything but lettuce in it. Instead of lettuce, it had kale or collard greens, or um, um, broccoli, cauliflower, I mean, it had uh, cabbage, Mm -hmm. all of the cruciferous vegetables. Did you dress it? Did you have any oils at all? Um, I did dress it, and I would use either olive oil, in all honesty, you got to pick your cheats. Yes. Right? And... I don't like olive oil dressing. <laughs> Sometimes I could do it, but most of the time I would use a clean, relatively clean. Sometimes I made my own. Sometimes I would buy store-bought um, cream dressing because I just like cream dress- dressings. And um, right now I'm, I'm hung up on Primal Kitchen mm-hmm. as a brand, Primal yeah. Kitchen Ranch. Um, I was raised on ranch dressing. That's just my favorite. That's and so that I, I have I have two cheats in life: salad dressings. Oops, sorry. Salad dressings and nails. <laughs> <laughs> That's my cheats. That's pretty good. Yeah, you have to. I mean, I think that's a really valid point. I mean, to eat that level of vegetables and for as many years as you obviously have been doing it, you have to. It has to be something you can sustain, doesn't it? It has to be something that you're happy with. 
And I think, and so during that time, did you go back for tests and did you realise that you were getting, were you scared? Did you have a lot of fear? I mean, terminal. Yes and no. You were terminal. So, um, fear can only exist. This is, this is a truth. Fear can only exist when you are distracted from success, when you take your focus off of success. If you're absolutely focused on success, there is no fear because there's success. Yeah, because failure is not an option. <laughs> so I, Exactly. So I created what I call an uncontainable happy dance. <laughs> And I meditated on my uncontainable happy dance. And it's not meditation until you feel it. It doesn't get visualization is not enough. Absolutely. I can, but if it doesn't cause a physical reaction in my body, if it doesn't make me smile and make my heart pound and make me giggle, yeah. I haven't done it, right? You have to have a physical reaction in your body. What that does is it sends to your brain, the signal that has already happened. Yes. Now, did it happen overnight? No, I had to do that for a long time because Lord knows how long I had been growing cancer. Yes, exactly. Right? It took me a lot of years to get rid of it. Uh-huh. And people, people are used to chemotherapy where, you know, three months and you're cure, you're, you're, you're clear. Oh, and this is a big problem, isn't it? Except that you're not clear. Yeah. You know, there's still stem cells. There's still, there's, and if you survive the chemotherapy in the first place, there's the chemotherapy can, can be carcinogenic. And, and then there's stem cells that are still in there until the right time when you overwork yourself or have an emotional upset or whatever, and then boom, there they are again. Yeah. So how so, do you manage your any fear or stress or any doubt, right? Because you're human. I'm, I'm assuming you really are human. Even with that, <laughs> totally human. So here's what would happen, and and this one took some work. I would go to reach for a necklace that I was gonna, or a pair of earrings. I didn't put earrings in today. Um, I would go to reach for something, and the thought would be there. Before I die, I'm gonna give this to. And I'm like, no, stop. I mean, the thought was just there. Yes. And it was no, stop. And I would you know, cancel that out and, and, and reframe it, put a, no, I'm going to be wearing these earrings, you know, or whatever. Of course, I was at a 90th birthday party on Saturday, so that doesn't seem so old anymore. Yes. <laughs> I got flirted with by a 97-year-old. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. It was adorable. Um, but I would wake up dreaming of my own funeral I mean it would happen in my sleep and I would wake up dreaming of my own funeral but what had to be is you don't let yourself continue once as soon as you're conscious of it uh-huh. as soon as you go oh sh- that's not no 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 then you reframe it then you change it and you go back into the uncontainable happy dance until you feel it yes. you gotta feel it because you felt the fear right Yes. You got to cancel the fear out with the, 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 the pleasure, the excitement, the holy cow, I'm clear. You know, what is that? Who do you say that to? Who says that to you? Who do you call? Yes. What do you say? Mm-hmm. 
you know, what, what, how do you celebrate? Yes. What, I, what do the forms say when you get that, you know, that form that says there's no evidence of disease? Exactly. Or in my case, no foci of hypermetabolic activity are identified. That's the quote. Yes. That's what it said on my, um, on my PET CT. Yeah. It's hard to say there's no evidence of disease when you got, you know, mastectomy. <laughs> there's only one reason to do a mastectomy, you know? And did you, did you get checked regularly? Because this is another thing I see with my clients. Sometimes I think stop getting checked because every time they go there, it ends up in this storm of fear and because they're not expecting it to heal, right? And, they're, and even if there's scar tissue, you know, how they're reading what they're seeing is being read through eyes that are expecting to see this stage four mets. So, you know, I'm never entirely sure whether it's a good idea to keep on going back for more scans. How did that, you deal with that? Well, I did several things. I did, I did scans, I did uh, tumor markers, which don't chase tumor markers because they bounce all over the place. You're looking for a trend up or a trend down. Um, scans, you have to prepare yourself before and after because of the radiation and the toxicity that they inject you with. So you may have to make sure that you're doing specific things to reduce those, uh, toxicities. I have a whole protocol on, around that. Um, and then when you, when you go in for those scans, you gotta have your brain in the right place. So again, when I, and I, and I spent three years where I didn't just see GANS. That was just kind of, we traveled in the, I said, we bought a big RV, uh -huh. but we went traveling for two, two and a half years. Fantastic. And it was somewhere during that two and a half years that the stress, I mean, the worst stress we had in the, in, in the day was, honey, do we turn left or right? <laughs> that, that was it. You know, we just traveled. It was beautiful. Uh, uh, honey, I'm tired with this sunset. Let's go to Timbuktu and check out a new sunset. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, it was beautiful. It was the most beautiful thing. And would you, um, so do you think that's part of your, that was the start of your healing Really? It wasn't the start, but it might have been the finish. Right. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. Because stress is so, it's such a big deal. And so my routine when we were in the RV, uh -huh. and we still have that RV, by the way, I, that, that's my healing space. I love my RV. And so I would get up in the morning. I always wake up earlier than my husband. Uh -huh. And I would, son, you know, five thirty, six o'clock, many times before the sun. And I would, if it was warm enough, depending on where we were, I would go outside and I would sit and I would meditate to the rising sun. And I've got the sun, you know, the warmth and the, all the glory and everything that's involved with the sun in my face as I'm meditating. What am I meditating on? So the first about eight minutes is just breathing, mm -hmm. just breathing just following my breath in and out and thoughts come in and you let them go and you go back to just the breathing <laughs> and a thought comes in and no, that doesn't mean you're a bad med meditator. It means you're alive. That's what your brain's <laughs> supposed to do. So you let that thought go and you come back to just breathing. And I would do that through one specific song, which was an eight minute song. And then I would repeat that song. And the second meditation 
gratitudes. So what am I grateful for? It would always start with my husband. Now, it's not a meditation until you feel the feeling. So in this case, what's the feeling of gratitude that I have around my husband right now today? Uh -huh. Oh, wow, we did this together or we did that together. And you feel it. You feel that warmth or that fullness or that sensation or those butterflies, whatever you feel, you have to feel it. To the point where it causes a physical reaction. Usually for me, that's a smile. Sometimes it's a giggle. Uh -huh. There's a physical reaction. That's the important part. Yes. Without the physical reaction, it's not medically effective. No. And then what was the next thing? Many times the next thing I was grateful for is this beautiful place on this lake with the sun and the smell of the freshly cut grass, whatever. Yeah. Right? that made me smile yes. and then the next thing and the next thing and I would spend at least eight minutes on gratitudes right and that that meditation was actually I would get up the first thing I would do is yoga uh -huh. I would do a yoga sun salutation and then sit down and do the meditations and then several times a day my husband and I would go for a walk or we'd go to you know do something some sort of exercise uh -huh. and do I think that was healing absolutely how did we fund it? Well, part of it was the insurance money. Yes. I was a business coach. Now I'm a health coach, but I was a business coach. I moved all my clients to two days and I made a six figure income in two days a week. Fantastic. <laughs> it it worked. What you can do when you're, when you have to. So, right. yeah, so these are very practical techniques that people can, and I like the idea of taking the song and you just do your eight minutes of breath, you use the eight minutes again, do gratitude, because I think we need to measure it, don't we? Um, so that's brilliant. And then, but, the, the, but what really what I'm interested in, in terms of the time frame from when you were diagnosed and you started doing protocols, but you kind of, it looked like what you was, were doing wasn't working. Yeah. So then, you know, I mean, how did, and that's quite a few years as well that you were making these changes because this is, I see this all the time with my clients. And then of course, what normally happens is they get disillusioned and give up. So can you talk me kind of through that time frame and when you had your first actual, um, when did you actually realize, oh my God, I, the body's responding now, I am healing. Can you remember that? Day? Oh yeah. Remember, Clyde, there was a happy dance on that day. <laughs> I have it on video. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> so there was, there was, I was originally diagnosed at stage 3A. And you know, I didn't know that I wasn't going to do conventional treatment. I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do. They try to rush you in. So I had surgery and then there's re recovery from surgery. And, you know, there's, so I had five surgeries in 2007. So my, I, I was diagnosed at the end of 2006. And then I had five surgeries in 2007 um, between the um, surgical biopsy and the lumpectomy and the mastectomy and two reconstructions. Uh-huh. Um, all the time I'm learning about what to do. I'm learning what to do. I'm learning to cut out sugar. I'm learning to vegetables and, and no meat, and no dairy and no cheese. And, you know, bring, bring down your, uh, acidity and get 
alkaline and, and, and learning, but I'm also doing PET CTs and I've gone from stage 3A to stage four when it shows up in the bone. And then I wind up having these intestinal blockages and it winds up in my intestine. And that's when the doctor signed paper saying that I was terminal. But I did a protocol. I don't think this protocol did it in three weeks, but I did a three-week protocol that was the uh, Trojan horse, bacon soda and molasses. Um, and then we were, my husband and I were leaving to in the RV to go on what we thought might be our last hurrah. Mm -hmm. And at the time I had a terminal diagnosis. I, I didn't know if I was gonna live or die. Mm -hmm. uh, but my focus was I, I was gonna live. Yeah. Right? And, and I very, very keenly focus on I was gonna live. Um, I had a PET CT the day before we were gonna leave. My oncologist, who we become very good friends with, mm -hmm. uh, my oncologist was so excited about the results that he called me on his day off. Wow. And he said, everything is smaller and less luminous. Fantastic. It didn't light up as brightly on the PET CT and everything was smaller. The two spots in my spine were gone. Wow. Okay. So I had, I had a, a five and a half centimeter lesion on my shoulder and two spots in my spine. T, I don't remember now. And how did T4 you feel? T8, I, I don't remember. How did you actually feel? Did you feel well? I mean, I, I ran a marathon the month I was diagnosed. What? Say, say that again, sorry. <laughs> now, how did I feel when I had it in my spine? No, I, I, I said I ran a marathon the month I was diagnosed. Oh, did you? So I was a surprise. The two spots in my spine felt like I needed a back adjustment. Right. Okay. Okay. It felt like I needed to pop my back. It was not painful. Uh -huh. The spot on my shoulder, which was not a small spot, it was five and a half centimeters. Um, certain movements were, I could feel them. They didn't hurt, uh -huh. but I could feel them. So my seatbelt. Anything when I, when I pulled out and away from my body, I could feel it up here. So I had a retractable cord on my blow dryer. Ah. And, and that motion was uncomfortable. Yeah. I, my, uh, I was with to drive my niece's um, car some, someplace and she had a standard and it was over and back for reverse. And I actually had to use my other hand. I couldn't do it uh, uh -huh. in the peak of, uh -huh. and now I've got no, I, I got nothing. You can't make it hurt. Yeah. I mean, I got nothing. Fantastic. Right. In fact, they don't even mention it on a PET CT. You know, they say that once you've had cancer in the bone, it never grows back. Mine did. Yes. They no, they no longer talk about it at all, that there was evidence of lesions. They used to say there was evidence of sclerosis. Apparently somewhere in there, I got some in the rib, um, but it was gone before I ever knew about it. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> and, uh, so that then finding that out, of course, must have just given you it's working. And then it becomes a different, a different narrative completely, doesn't it? And then we reduced stress. 
Uh -huh, yes. Yes. And then we reduced stress. And the stress, stress causes cancer. I mean, that's just all there is to it. Stress causes cancer. And, um, and that's validated, by the way. That's just not my opinion. That's, that's actually validated. And so we eliminated the stress and my body had already been received a jump start. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I did insulin potentiation therapy. So that's low dose chemo. Right. Um, so I gave my body a jump start, and then I eliminated stress and my body took over and ran with it. Yes. And I truly believe that two years of absolutely the biggest stress was do we turn left or right? Yes. Uh, that's huge. And as you say, being able to sit outside and meditate in the morning without thinking I need to all the things you have to do that day. That's huge too. No, I worked Monday and Tuesday and, and the rest of the time was just pure fun. Uh -huh. Do you think that your business coaching helped you to kind of, you know, organize your own healing in a way? Because it's, I mean, it is, it's very goal focused and it's like, right, this is the strategy we're going to use. And, you know, so, you know, I would imagine that that must be helpful, that understanding and that way of, of doing things. Absolutely. And I am a strategist. If you've ever done this Clifton Strengths Finders uh, exam, I, I encourage it. Um, it's put on by the same people that do the Gallup polls. Yes. And it identifies your top strengths. You can go your top five or you can top, do your top 30, mm -hmm. um, which is actually your, your top five and your bottom five and a bunch of stuff in between. Uh -huh. um, my, one of my very top strengths is strategy. So having that business coaching background helped me you know, organize things and put them into place. And I'm going to do this. And at one point in time, I put together what I called a 30-minute protocol. Uh -huh. And that was every 30 minutes from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. There was something to do. It might be stop and take 10 deep breaths. Yes. But there was something to do. And I would just set my phone mm -hmm. um, to, to ring every 30 minutes. And I had a printout. Yeah. You know, and I would look at my printout. And say, oh, it's this time I'm going to do this. And it's this time I do this. And I would just do it. Yeah, fantastic. It wouldn't have worked if I was in a normal environment where, you know, I was in an eight to five job or even, you know, my own business. I had my own business, but it was full. I wasn't accepting clients and I'd work two days a week. Yeah. Did you have any pushback from, do you have any children? I do not. Right. Well, I, but my brothers, I thought were going to kill me. <laughs> I was going to say, because very often that's the other thing that comes in is family pressure to do what everyone else is doing. Um, but did you, so you did have a bit of that and, and what made you, it fascinates me why some people just take on the narrative, well, you're terminal and others are just like that. Nah, we'll see about that. <laughs> At least I'm going One to One of the things that I did, I was very careful about who I told uh -huh. and I told nobody that I was terminal. Right. Until I wasn't anymore. Yes. <laughs> and then I got in so much trouble. They were so mad. At, you, uh, uh, you didn't tell me. Yeah. That's why I didn't tell you. Yes. Uh, I did get in trouble for that. Um, yeah, there was people. People are afraid for you. They think you're misguided. My one of my oncologists. Actually. 
he had me evaluated by a um what was his title a um oncological psychologist because he wanted to make sure that i wasn't avoiding chemo just out of fear that I had my head about me. And so I went to this psychologist like three times. And finally the psychologist said, she's fine. Yeah. She's got a better head on her shoulders than, you know, most of my clients. Yes. I just knew that I truly, truly, truly felt when I was first diagnosed, when they first said, we want to give you chemo and we want to give you, you know, this amount. And I, the first thought that came into my, my mind was chemo will kill me. Cancer's not, I never, ever, never have I believed that cancer was going to kill me. Mm-hmm. Chemo would kill me. Now, is that true? I, I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea. But that was my first, one of my very, very early thoughts. Uh-huh. And so with that very early thought, you know, chemo will kill me. Again, I, I just knew that, I knew that there was an imbalance in my body. So one of the things that helped keep me on track. I knew that what there was an imbalance on my body. And when I found what was out of balance, my body would heal itself. I didn't expect it to take so long to figure out what was out of, out of balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now in 100% um, transparency, I think that imbalance was stress. I worked for a company. I adored it. I thought I was going to retire from them. I loved what I did and it was intense. It was, it was, I was a business coach, but I was working for somebody else. Uh Very, very, very high protection standards. Very, very, very high standards. Uh, He's been called, the owner of the company has been called the most influential person in the financial services industry. So I was coaching financial advisors. It was intense. Uh When I got out of that stress, my body healed. Now, I did things to jumpstart it, but I can't overemphasize how important it is to reduce stress, especially for somebody with cancer. Yeah, well, you know, most of my clients, in fact, there's maybe only been a couple that have got young children. And so therein lies the issue that I always have because now of course we are not living in communities where the the upbringing of our children is shared, where women are, um, you know, in their own very often trying to juggle all these relationships, be the best mom, have the best figure, be the best person, make all the best food. And it's just far, far too much. And it's something that concerns me, you know, because we know that stress, the, the damage that stress does. And we also know that when you're stressed, try to eat all the right foods can be, you know, it's a very poor combination to, to, to expect somebody to stick to a really healthy diet when they are very stressed, <laughs> because it's one of the first things to go. So you know, I'm always looking for the solutions. What can, what can we do? And I mean, I teach different techniques, EFT, the Sedona method, the work, you know, a lot of the ones that are quite popular. Um, but it, the reality is if you've got young children and et cetera, it can be very, very difficult. 
have you got any what would you because I know you coach clients and for anybody listening I'm going to put your details because I'm sure you're that people love to speak to you and and gain from that your phenomenal story it's just it's so inspiring um but what would you how would you um deal with that because I'm sure the same things happen to you you must have people with young children coming to you so have you got any <laughs> magical miracle tricks <laughs> I will tell you what I did before I left that coaching appointment or that coaching position and went independent. Um, there were several weeks out of the year where we would literally, I would be in front. We would bring our clients in from all over the world mm -hmm. and um, I would be in front of clients by six o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. That's crazy. For seven days. Seven days. It was, I told you, it was an intense position. It was intense. I loved it. Now that would only happen, you know, four, four times a year. Yeah. But it was intense. And did I take the next week off? No, I went back to work the next week. Yeah. So what did I do? Because that's, I, I, I won't say it's equivalent to having children. Uh -huh. I don't have children. Children is 24 seven. Yeah. right? Children, you get, a, you, you don't get a break from I got a break, yeah. <laughs> but here's what I did. And if you go to my freezer right now, uh -huh. you will see frozen smoothies. Uh -huh. Okay. So I make my smoothies once every week or every two weeks uh -huh. and I freeze them. And then the night before I pull one out of the freezer and it's in there. Now I do this in kombucha bo bottles. Uh-huh. So just glass bottles, right? I just save kombucha bottles. I don't drink a lot of kombucha anymore, but for a while I was, and I always save bottles. And so always have those. Now that's now. Before I would make a whole, whole um, um, blender and drink a whole blender full of smoothie every day. And I would just pour them in the, in the kombucha bottles. Yes. Now I make them up in advance. I put them in the freezer. Okay. The other thing that I did is I would, I had this huge, um, I'm going to call it Tupperware. It was a huge plastic container. I don't use much plastic anymore, but at the time it was a huge plastic container. And on the weekend I would make my salad and it would have a head of cabbage yes. and a head of cauliflower and, you know, at, at least two heads of, of broccoli. And I would peel the broccoli stems and chop up the broccoli stems and put them in there. Now I use broccoli stems. I make them just exactly like potatoes. Yeah. They actually even taste like potatoes. And my husband's allergic to potatoes. <laughs> right. So we have you know, broccoli instead of broccoli stem instead of potato. Um, and then I would put, you know, flax seeds and hemp seeds and sunflower seeds and, and pumpkin seeds and sometimes some raisins organic raisins um what else organic did you manage to that's another good question was it all organic did you man do you manage to find all these things organic where you are yes we have we have access to just about everything organic and if you look out there is my garden mm -hmm. uh, you and own. i have i have a i don't know what the meters translation so let me see 12 feet would be four meters ish by um 
He's 12 by 24. So 12, uh, four meters by eight meters ish mm -hmm. greenhouse. Ah, nice. And I raised beds and I have a 20 foot by 30 foot garden. So that's going to be like five meters by um, 30 foot 10, five meters by 10 meters. No, it's going to be a little long. long it's good. That's not, it's going to be like seven meters by, by 10 meters mm -hmm. uh, of an in-ground garden. I got a lot of garden. Yeah, so you're growing a lot of your own food. I grow a lot of my own food. And yeah. I, I didn't always do that. It's become something of a passion. I love it. And then at the end of the season, um, I grow way more than I can consume. I mean, it's only my husband and me. Mm -hmm. um, I give a lot of it away. <coughs> I grow it specifically to give away. But at the end of the season, season what is still there, I can. Yes. Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, listen, the other thing that I was really intrigued, because you, you went to Mexico, did you, at some point? Tell me about that. <laughs> that would be the topic of my next book. <laughs> um, I wrote a book chapter in uh, The Ultimate Guide to Self-Healing, volume, volume 4. Yes, I saw that. And my chapter is, is on mindset. Uh -huh. uh, my next book is a full book. Um, my intent is to finish it before the end of the year. And uh, it's so you're thinking about going to Mexico for medical for cancer treatment, mm -hmm. what you must know. Right. Because um, several of us stayed together um, and continued to, 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 to stay in contact um, after going to Mexico. And many of them, many of them have, have passed away. Mm -hmm. um, only three are getting better mm -hmm. of probably the 20 people that were there at the same time. Um, it, it, it's very, very sad. But the, the really sad part is they lie to you. Now, I can't say this about every facility. I do believe that there are facilities in Mexico that are of their word. Uh -huh. I went to Mexico expecting to get the treatment that I could not get in the United States mm -hmm. and play, pay less for it. Yes. You don't pay less for it. Mm -hmm. They, they, where I went, they get you in saying it's less than 20,000 for three weeks. Every, every place is somewhere around 20,000 ish for three weeks. And, uh, this particular facility said it was, uh, 18,000 something dollars. I don't know what the translation is. Uh -huh. um, um, but they get you in for less than three weeks, but then they don't start your treatment on and, and that your treatment is your specific, you know, therapy is going to be more than three weeks. And so you're going to have to stay longer, but they don't tell you that in advance. Mm, that's not very nice. So a minimum of six weeks is what you plan for at about, you know, 18 to 20,000 every three week increment. Um, people were there as long as 12 weeks. And after 12 weeks, they send you home to, to let your body rest. You can come back, but you have to go home. What was the treatment? Well, um, all, all different kinds of heat treatments. So there is uh, infrared sauna, which 
um, I had asked, I thought it was the same treatment that you do in Germany. And in fact, when I asked about that, they said, absolutely, we have the same exact bed that they use in Germany. But they didn't. Which is true. Okay. And it sits against the wall and it has never been turned on and nobody knows how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> what they put you in is a, a, a one of the little $150 saunas that you can buy for home use. Yes. Um, and, you know, they, they make, a big deal out of it. Oh, your body temperature is 108 degrees. No, that's your external skin temperature. Your core temperature hasn't raised a bit because you're only in there for 20 to 30 minutes. Uh It was a, and I said, look, I came here because it said you had the same piece of equipment that they have in Germany. I want to do full body hypothermia. And when they do that hyperthermia, when they do that, they sedate you. Right. Because you can't handle it. Yeah. They so that they give can you take the temperature up or down. the whole time. They've never done that. They've never done that in Mexico, not where I was. I wasn't going to be the guinea pig yeah. at that point. No, absolutely. <laughs> right? I was I was like, okay, clearly there's some misadvertising here. Uh-huh. The other thing they do is they give you full dose chemo and they don't tell you about it. What? So we stayed in what was called the apartments and the apartments is uh, an entire apartment building that is basically owned by the owner of the facility, uh, I think. Mm -hmm. And almost everybody who is at the apartments are patients of this facility. And there's an, the stairwell is open, right? Think, think concrete, hollow, echo. So it goes up, I want to say four, four stories, four floors, and there's four apartments on each floor. Uh-huh. And at all hours in the day of the night, somebody that's supposed to be getting low-dose chemo is vomiting their heads out, and you can hear it echo. Yeah. And they're groaning, and they're going through all the things that you go through when you get conventional chemo Mm -hmm. and they lose their hair now i've done low dose chemo and never lost a hair Uh right so they lose their hair and they're vomiting and they've got all the symptoms of full dose chemo Mm -hmm. and the only thing they're told is we're going to have to be more aggressive with you unless you ask exactly what does that mean Uh uh-huh they won't tell you. Yeah. But if you, you press them and say, what is the dose that I'm getting? Mm-hmm. They will eventually, and they don't write this, that you don't get a medical chart like you get in the United States. I don't know how things are in Scotland. Uh-huh. Uh, in the United States, if you ask for your medical records, it will give you the dose of everything that you get. In Mexico, they don't give you the dose of anything. And they say it's illegal for them to do that, to write down the dose. Uh, they don't want you to know or you wouldn't go. They don't want you to know. So when they're hanging the chemo, they're hanging a little bottle about that big and it has C on it. That's all it says. It doesn't have your name or it ha- will have your first name on it and C, which means chemo. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Or D, which means DMSO. Wow. Or uh, VC, which means vitamin C. Uh-huh. 
So they do DMSO there, IV. They do DMSO IV uh -huh. instead of insulin. Ah. Wow. So again, you go there thinking that you're going to get low dose insulin potentiation therapy and they say, um, well, we prefer to use DMSO. It works just as well without the side effects. Well, what are the side effects? If somebody, you can have a relapse of um, uh, blood, sugar, blood sugar dropping from um, insulin. I, I've never experienced it. And I did do low dose um, insulin potentiation therapy years and years ago. Mm -hmm. Um but they will give you DMSO and say it works just as well. And then they'll give you high dose chemo, full dose chemo without your knowledge or uh, consent. That is and they won't tell you. They'll deny it. Bonkers. Absolutely bonkers, isn't it? I am just devastating. Oh. Absolutely devastating. And so how long did you stay there for? Six weeks. Six weeks. And so that's when you met all these other people, clearly. The, the protocol that they were going to give me, the protocol that they were going to give me was a four-week protocol. Right. And they didn't start it until week two. Uh -huh. so, so I had to stay for another four weeks. Uh -huh. So, what, so you, what did you actually have there then? And what kind of food did they give you? Did they feed you? Yes. Um, you know what? The cafeteria staff was absolutely lovely. Mm -hmm. um, the first day we were there, they were singing the kitchen and everybody was singing, you know, these happy Hispanic songs and just uh -huh. having a, it was a lovely atmosphere. Um, I went requesting a ketogenic diet and they said, oh, okay, sure. No problem. We can do keto. Mm -hmm. They don't have, a, they don't know what keto is. <laughs> so I taught them a few things about keto. <laughs> they could not do keto. Uh-huh. So again, they're making promises that they um they have what they have is a relatively healthy, no added sugar-ish diet. Right. Okay. But they'll have juices there. Mm -hmm. it, you know, there's always a, a juice and it'll have some greens in it, but it's a sweet juice. Yeah. Um, it's a fresh juice. Uh, most everything is organic. Um so it's, it's basically a, a lower, I won't even say low, but uh -huh. a lower glycemic index and nothing's processed. Uh -huh. so it's, right? it's kind of a whole 30, I would call it kind of a whole 30 diet. Right. Um, so you did keto. Did, did you do a, a vegetarian keto or a... <laughs> um, I didn't do keto... Um, successfully yeah. <laughs> keto is hard keto is way harder than raw vegan raw vegan is easy compared to keto yeah. and if you try to do vegetarian keto it's even harder yes yeah that's why um, i know i mean i've done keto myself and and tried to cut out even taking dairy out of it is very challenging you know um but it was an interesting experiment but yeah i wondered um because there's it there's particularly for hormone balancing, you know, there, it, there's definitely a huge um, advantage there. I think one of the big problems, obviously, is that most people, we don't have the data because the reality is most people will, will try conventional first. Not, you know, not very many people have got the courage 
the you know the the mindset and the you know the to to actually go on their own and I understand that completely especially if your family are pressuring you and also in the UK you really do not have any other option there is nowhere to go unless you're loaded um, to get the support that you will inevitably need when you start detoxing and when things you get these dark days um, so I understand it. Now there's another thing that I wanted to talk to you about um, now what is your title nutritional oncologist or oncologist? Oh, close. <laughs> I'm not an oncologist. <laughs> but it was because I thought it's it two words I'd never heard put together. And I was like, right, I oncology need... nutrition. Oncology nutrition. So tell me about oncology that. nutrition consultant. So um, <coughs> that is my most recent certification. My master's degree is in alternative medicine. I did this after reversing the cancer. I wanted to know what I did. Yeah, <laughs> didn't help me understand what I did, but I have a master's degree in alternative medicine, technically complementary and alternative. My tendency is more towards alternative, um, but I do have clients that want to do a, a complement of both conventional and alternative, and I can support that. Um, so I'm a um, board certified drug free practitioner. Like advanced that. healing foods instructor, certified raw food educator, and my most recent, um, actually, I'm also a, a um, I have several certifications in aromatherapy, and my most recent is oncology nutrition consultant, and that, by the way, was an intense course. Yes, <laughs> it, it was an intense course. There was a lot to it. So what's the thinking behind that for people that are having treatment, what they should eat or what? I mean, what's... Well, here's a couple of things that most people don't know. I'm assuming it's the same in Scotland. I don't know. In the US, when you have your chemistry, your labs drawn, uh -huh. when you have blood drawn, little arrow up that says your cholesterol is high, you're compared to 95% of the people that have ever had their labs drawn in that facility. So it's a statistical analysis comparing you to everybody else. It has nothing to do with what's optimum in the human body. So to get that little up arrow, you have to be outside 95% of the general population. As the general population gets sicker, what's normal gets broader. Yes, yeah course as opposed to what's optimum so i use a blood chemistry analysis uh -huh. based on what's supposed to be happening fun from a functional medicine perspective mm -hmm. in the human body right when you go to an oncologist they test for um can you have your next chemo treatment or can you have your next radiation treatment has your white blood cells drop? Has your red blood cells dropped? Are your in liver enzymes elevated? Mm -hmm. That's all they test for. Can you have your next treatment? Mm -hmm. They don't test for, are you growing new blood vessels? Mm -hmm. Do you have the proteins that indicate that you're growing new blood vessels, which means metastasis? Because the only time you're growing new blood vessels as an adult is childbirth, surgery recovery, or metastasis. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we test for that. We test for, is there inflammation? Because inflammation indicates uh, angiogenesis, uh, not angiogenesis, um, metastasis. It indicates tumor growth. 
Yeah. Tumors love inflammation. Mm -hmm. We test for your growth factors yeah. because on your growth factors, you know, that's what are you growing as an adult? What are you tumors? So we test to see that. And are they going up or are they coming down? Right. Yeah. So that's one of the things that we test for. We test your genome. Okay. Your genes, not your genes for cancer, mm -hmm. but your nutritional genes in my body, eating red meat, I might as well be eating a candy bar because my body reacts just exactly as if it were eating a candy bar when I eat red meat. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known that until I had my gene, genes assessed. Yes. Right. So we learn your genetic strengths so that we can leverage them. This works particularly well in your body. Use more of it. Yes. And when you learn your genetic weaknesses, for me, red meat, might as well be eating a candy bar. Don't eat red meat. Uh -huh. Right. And I think that then gives you also, again, that visual of what that food will do to you. Is it medicine? Is it neutral? Or is it poison? And I think that's really, I think because exactly. the, the nutrition is so confusing for people. And I think, so I like that idea that you can, so say for example, you were, you were working with somebody from Scotland, would you be able to access, could they send over, is it, does it happen via blood? Uh -huh. So you could post that because. So the, the gen genome test is saliva. Uh -huh. Now, okay. um, they can ship to most everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure that they can send, uh, uh, ship to Scotland. I, I would be dumbfounded if they couldn't ship to Scotland, but I can definitely put a link if you'd like, I can send you a link. Um, Absolutely. I think that would be very helpful because I did, personally did Gerson for a while, um, a couple of years ago, uh, out of curiosity more than anything, and also to see could I adhere to it. And um, tough. Well, very tough. But what I liked about it was it was just, yes, you can eat that. And no, you can't eat that. It was very, very plain and simple. And I think, you need very strong guidelines. Well, I certainly do. If there's a gray area, then before you know it, you're away down the wrong road. <laughs> so I, I think that's, right. that could be incredibly helpful for people. So I love that. Now, the, the, the other thing I would like to ask you is about, do most, of, do most people come to you after the conventional treatments failed or are people now coming to you after diagnosis? Where are, where's um, your clientele coming I've, I've actually had it on both ends of the spectrum. Right. So I've, I'm working with a client right now where Western medicine says there's nothing that we can do. Put your affairs in order. Yeah. Um, I have had people say, I don't have, I haven't been diagnosed, but my doctor said this was elevated in my blood and he thinks I should go get evaluated. And I wanted to talk to you first. Yes. So I've had it from one extreme to the other uh -huh. so had people that have been through and are clear and want to prevent a recurrence uh -huh. and I think the people that are most exciting to me are people that say you know what I've got a family history and I don't want to go there and so they're proactive yes prevention please please, please. So how I wish I'd have had <laughs> how I wish I'd have thought that way right yeah. Yeah. um but I can work with those people and, and you know, the whole idea is these are th the things that put you at risk genetically and here's the indications in your blood. And you know, we go through a whole, there's 10 different things that cause cancer. Mm -hmm. 
they call, they're called the trains. And you have to address all 10 of them. And so we do an assessment to identify what's the priority. In me, priority is toxins and, and um, stress. Because this body genetically does not handle toxins well at all. So, you know, they spray stuff on my lawn. I, ex I experience that worse than most people. Yes. Yes. Right. I'm, I am, I am less tolerant. I have more sensitivity to that. Uh -huh. And so knowing that we can do something about it, you know, some three, three women can have the same exact breast cancer. Yeah. Okay. In my case, it was estrogen and progesterone positive and HER2 negative. Uh -huh. So three women can have the same exact breast cancer. Western medicine is going to treat it exactly the same. Premenopausal, you get this medication regime. If you're postmenopausal, you get this medication regime. You get uh, surgery, you get chemotherapy, you get radiation. Everybody gets the same thing, yeah. right? But if you're not addressing those 10 underlying causes for me, stress and toxins, it doesn't matter what you do. The chemotherapy is not effective. And oh, by the way, if your gut biome is out of balance, the chemotherapy is not going to work. Yes. Uh -huh. It's been well proven. Yes. Radiation therapy is not going to work if your gut is out of balance. And guess what? Chemotherapy knocks your gut bacteria out of balance. I know. I know. And, and this is the thing, you know, some people <clears throat> survive the allopathic treatment. <laughs> you know of a fashion and but many obviously don't and usually it's the ones that have given up you know or have been told sorry you know I my clients usually have been diagnosed incurable or terminal and um, yeah there's nothing we can do uh, yeah and then I'm like well that's actually there's nothing they can do but there's a load of things that you can do you know and exactly and, and that's what I tell my clients that just means they don't know how to do it. That doesn't mean it can't be done. And that they, just means they don't know how to do it. They genuinely don't. You know, no. when, when you realize that there's, that's why it's so fantastic to actually talk to somebody who's done it. I've got a couple of friends here the same. Um, you know, when you realize there are other ways and we are not talking about it and that our healthcare, in inverted commas, uh, knows nothing about health, only knows how to look at a symptom and then match it with a med. It's crazy. And it drives me insane. And I think especially because most of my clients are young women, the same age as my daughters. And I just think, oh, my God, you know, I would love to think that there was a place that people, women like that could go to learn how to prevent it because we have a pandemic of breast cancer here. I don't know what it's like in the States, but it's crazy here. And um, and then, if, you know, if you do, would like to try yourself for a couple of years to heal it <laughs> that there's a there's tons of support for that there's the tests that you would need there's the experts that can really mentor you through it um yeah I think we have to have that and you know people get very angry when I talk about chemo in that way but surely we would all love a world without chemo <laughs> if we could possibly have one you know, putting out your arm or your vein for chemotherapy takes courage. I can't even begin to imagine um, what that must feel like. But, you know, if there are other safer ways, we need to get that information out. I mean, it's just 
And of course, the, there's not the money in it, which is the other big crippling factor of shareholders and board members, you know, that it serves to keep us in the dark that, you know, food, I mean, all the medicine, I'm living on a farm here. And, you know, you're like, they take and they make their medicines from nature. You know, it's already there. And in its natural form, it's never going to harm you. If you know what you're doing, obviously plants are complex as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, so well done you. It's incredible. And I'm so happy that you were, you, you know, that you came on the podcast to spread this word. And also I'm really happy that now I've got somebody I can really, with my hand and heart, direct people to that are, because there are more and more people. And what I'm finding with a lot of my clients is they're saying, well, no, I'm not going to have radiation. Or I will have, you know, so they're, they're not taking the package, which is my cousin said that that's, you know, there's a package. And you all get the same package, depending on what where the cancer is. So, um, you know, I think that's that's a, a really powerful thing. Is like you can say, right, well, look, here's somebody. I'm sure you would like to get them before they took any treatment, would you? But if they've had treatment, they can still come to you. Is there anybody you would refuse to, or you would, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I refused somebody day before yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you would have pretty strong boundaries. <laughs> um, somebody has, has to be willing to change. They have to be willing to change their diet. They have to be willing to add some exercise. They have to be willing to do things that are uncomfortable, you know, that they're not used to doing. Um, sometimes just getting up and going for a run. You know, I went for a short run this morning. Uh -huh. When I first started running, that was, that hurt, <laughs> right? It hurt, it physically hurt. Um, it doesn't hurt anymore. Yeah. But you have to be willing to go through that thing that's uncomfortable. You have to be willing to, you know, put down that bowl of ice cream and pick up a couple of raspberries. Mm -hmm. and and um this this woman that i talked to literally um i guess it was friday um she says well it's so hard i have children and you know i have to feed them and I, why are you feeding them something that's going to kill them <laughs> yeah do you want your children to have to go through what you're going through yeah and I don't laugh when I say, it. I know it's funny. I know it's, but I don't, I was like, I'm not a gentle coach. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what people need. I think you need to be, but people need to know need to know the truth. People you need know. to know. And, and they don't because we've been marketed to uh -huh. that yogurt is healthy. Milk does a body good. No, it doesn't. I know. I know. And I think that's the reality. My brother, he said that to me, he said, you know, people do not know. And I was yeah. like, well, they don't know that. And he said, no, they don't know. And it's, I think, you know, when you get to a level when you've been looking at, you know, malignancy and high levels of toxicity and looking at a very cleansing diet and clearing the roots of elimination, you find it difficult to understand that people don't, you know, don't know that, you know, eating bread three times a day is not going to make them healthy. Um, you know, or so it's it's the most basic information almost that um, that needs to be put out to the masses. 
because I mean, in Scotland, we have one of the worst health pictures in the world. I mean, it's it is shocking. Maybe worse than ours. <laughs> well, it's pretty close, you know. And we're a small we're a small country, but um, you know that we're not educating our people. We're not growing our own food. But it's it's just so absolutely dumb. It, it's it just gets me frustrated even thinking about it. And a lot of our vegetables go down south because Scottish people won't eat them. And, you know, it's, and you're like, and again, it's the kids and grandkids. You're like, what are we doing? What are we setting them up for in the future? You know, if they can't, if they're not getting any nutrients and life force. And we forget so quickly because, you know, 150 years ago, there was not a word for menopause. I know. The symptoms, the hot flashes, we didn't have that. I know. That didn't exist. We've caused that with all the toxins, with the xenoestrogen, xenoestrogens, the fake estrogens, the estrogen hormone dysregulators. We've caused it. And, you know, when, when, when Moses led the people out of Egypt, I'm not a, a hardcore Christian woman, but when Moses led, led the people out of Egypt, it took two generations because it only takes two generations to forget. Yes. And they didn't know what it was like to live in slavery for the entire nation to live in slavery. Two generations, that's all it took. Well, we are in slavery to bad eating, to bad nutrition, and we don't even know it. I know, and we're eating ourselves to death and we have unprecedented levels of disease. And, you know, even if the disease isn't what they call terminal, people are suffering. And not just the people that are suffering, the people that are caring. And in your, you know, if you're not feeling alive and vital and excited about your life and, you know, and a, and a ball of fun, you don't have the dance, <laughs> then, you know, you're affecting everybody in the... I just, I just got a text <laughs> that I'm supposed to be leading another, uh, another call <laughs> that started 11 minutes ago. I have oh, to wrap right. this up, honey. Uh, no, no worries. No worries. Um, I, it's, we're ready. We're good to go. Uh, yeah, I knew when I started speaking to you, it was going to take much longer than normal. But listen, thank you so much. Hugely, hugely appreciate you talking to me. And it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you. And um, hopefully we'll, I'll speak to you again. We'll chat some more. It'll be fun. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Linda. Ciao. Bye-bye. <laughs>